we are back, Perak Shemini, the eighth chapter of Ilkhot Matinot Anim. <clears throat> and Shemini, Tashi'i, and Asiri, the last three chapters of Matinot Anim, continue what we started on Perak Shavi'i, which is Halachot of Tzedakah, very relevant for today. And they don't necessarily have to do with agriculture, but generally how to help the poor and those who need uh, more than than we have, uh, more, more than we do. Tzedakah is one, is an example of an oath, of something that um, a person commits to do with his word, his or her word, and then becomes bound to do because of that utterance. Therefore, if a person takes an oath, pledges, to give a certain amount of money to tzedakah, or says, this amount of money is hereby pledged for tzedakah, not only does he or she need to, to, to provide this to the anim, to the poor people, but they have to do so immediately. And any delay on this is an example of that which the Torah warned against, which is not to delay paying an oath, a pledge. This is given the circumstances that poor people are around and he has the ability to, to provide this tzedakah. So delay in such case would be a violation of this lotase. If, however, there is no anim in that area, anim are not available, the person lives in the middle of nowhere, then he should set it apart and wait until anim become available. And if part of the pledge was a con- involved the condition that this will not be given until and unless some anim are found, then one may, one need not put this amount on the side. You can just wait until the anim are around, and then that's when he becomes obligated to fulfill his pledge. So too, if upon giving or pledging this amount, the person stipulates that I'm pledging this amount of money, but one of the conditions is that the the people in charge of giving the tzedakah, are allowed to, they are entitled to um, combine all of the coins that I have that I'm going to give them into larger uh, amounts of currency, currency of larger amounts or metals of higher value, that's fine to do. is to attach the tenor of the first nether onto something else without using the full formula. So for example, I say, I make a full-fledged nether about A, and then I say, and also B. So B became a nether by virtue of its attachment to A, that's called hatpasale hatpis. So tzedakah, being one of nedarim, gets this detail as well, that whoever is matpis with tzedakah becomes obligated on it, just like in any other nether. What's an example of that? If a person says, let this coin be like the first one, and the first one was pleasure with tzedakah, this also becomes tzedakah. 
הפריש סלע ואמר הרזו צדקה ולקח סלע שנייה ואמר וזו So too, if he takes the first coin and says this coin is for Sedaka, and then he takes the second coin and says and this, Harea Shniya Sedaka, the second one also becomes Sedaka, Ve'af al-Pishilo Piresh, even though he didn't explicitly said and this one is also going to be Sedaka, just by saying and this, and including the second one within the same grouping as the first one, which has the tenor of the Sedaka pledge, is enough. Halakha Gimal, הנודר צדקה ולידה כמה נדר, ייתן עד שיאמר לו לכך נתכוונתי. If someone said I'm going to give charity, or I'm going to give a lot of charity, and he didn't specify how much, so how much should he give? The Alachais he should give until it becomes clear to him that he wouldn't have wanted to give that much. So he starts giving and giving and giving until he stops and says, no, there is no way I meant to give this much, and then that's when he can stop. הלכה ד' אחד האומר סלע זו לצדקה או האומר הרע עלי סלע לצדקה והפריש הסלע אם רצה לשנותה באחרת מותר ואם מי שהגיע ליד הגבאי אסור לשנותה. צדקה with money is fungible and if one particular coin was pledged to צדקה it may be exchanged for another coin of the same value until until it reaches the Gabai. Once it reaches the Gabai, the, the, the person in charge of receiving, collecting tzedakah, then it's no longer the property of the one, of the donor, of the one that's giving tzedakah, and he can no longer change it, exchange it, even for something of the same value. ואם רצו הגבאים לסרף המעות ולעשותן דינרין, אינן רשאים, אלא אם אין שמענים לחלק, מצרפים לאחרים, אבל לא לעצמם. And if the Gabaim want for convenience to take many small coins and convert them into larger coins, so it's easier to carry, they may not do that. Because the idea is that if they have lots of smaller coins, as soon as someone comes and asks, he's going to receive its smaller amounts, the threshold for their giving is lower, and therefore by converting it to larger coins, they're not going to, to be as free with giving out the tzedakah, but if there, אבל אלא אם אין שם עניים לחלק, מסלפים לאחרים אבל לא לעצמם. However, if there is no עניים there in that area, then the Gabaim may combine these coins for the sake of others, for the sake of עניים. In other words, if, if they want to give to the עני uh, coins that are more comfortable to handle, that's fine if that's the motivation. However, not if they do so for their own convenience. הלכה ה' היה לעניים הנייה בעיכוב המעות ביד הגבאי כדי לעשות אחרים ליתן, הרי אותו הגבאי מותר ללוות אותן המעות של הנעים ופוריה, שהצדקה אינה כהקדש שאסור ליהנות בו. If the עניים, if the עניים would benefit from not receiving right now the צדקה, for example, the עניים are still in their annual uh, collection season, they are going around the houses, and if people know that the גבאים just gave them a nice amount, they're not going to give them as much, so the Gabaim are entitled, for the sake of this Anim, they're entitled to, for example, borrow this Tzedakah for their own use, the Gabai's use, and then return that amount because they are doing this to benefit the Anim. And the Tzedakah is not like a Kdesh, a Kdesh is donations to Bet HaMikdash. Donations to Bet HaMikdash are forbidden to derive any benefit from tzedakah. That's not the case. You may borrow from tzedakah for the sake of the anim. Halakha vav. 
these are donations to Bitkeneset. I just want to point out that um, given the theme of this chapter, Tzedakah, it seems that providing a pledge, providing money, giving a donation to your Bet Knesset is tantamount to giving tzedakah. At least it has some of the same uh, details, the same halachot, which brings it to at least the same category of, of, uh, of mitzvot. If a person donated a chandelier or a lamp to Bet Knesset, he may not change it to any other purpose. We are going to see how uh, this can change, but generally the principle is if something was donated to the Bet Knesset, it may not be changed to another purpose, even if the other purpose is Devar Mitzvah as well. And we, we, we'd have to follow the rule here of Ma'alim Bakodesh Ven Moridin. But so long as the name of the donor is attached to the thing, then we may not change the purpose of that thing which the donor donated. Um, once it's forgotten who gave this menorah, for example, it was given 300 years ago and nobody knows that person anymore, then uh, it, the, the purpose may be changed even for something of a shoot. Again, following the rules of what happens with, some, with something that belongs to the Bet Knesset, which we studied in Sefer Hava. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So if it's donated by Yehudi, then it depends. If it's for another mitzvah, you may change it, but you have to continue attaching the name of the donor to the thing. So this chandelier, we are moving it to the Bed Midrash, but it was donated by Avraham Cohen. However, to move it to the, let's say, to the dining room of a Bet Knesset, that's forbidden. That's the that's Reshut. And when are we saying that to the Reshut you may not move it when the donor was Yehudi? But if it was a Goy, you may not change its purpose even for something of Mitzvah. You cannot change the chandelier from the Bet Knesset to the Bet Midrash. Until it's a, there is no longer any attachment of the donor to the thing, so nobody remembers that guy anymore. He doesn't live in the city for many years. He has no connection to the Bet Knesset anymore. Because we don't want the Goyim to say, I donated something to these Jews and they sold it for themselves and took it for a different purpose. Unlike a Bet Knesset, with Bet HaMikdash, if a Goy wants to donate something, at first we don't accept from him. If he does, if he did donate it, and for, for whatever reason it was donated, and the Gemara brings a few examples, of, for example, a queen that had donated something for Mivreshet Shezahav to Beth HaMikdash. 
if they did take it from from the goy, it's not returned to him or her. However, if it's something that's very specific, everyone is going to know that this was donated by Mr. Gentile. We don't want the Bet HaMikdash, which is supposed to be built by Am Israel, to have things there that belong to other nations. However, to Bet Knesset, we may accept gifts from the Goyim on the condition that the Goy says that um, he wants to donate in the same way that Jews donate. In other words, we, we don't want If, however, he doesn't say like the Jews donate, then we have to not make use of this item which was donated by the Goy because the Goy might be intending to donate it to God. For the Goyim, a Bet Knesset, their Bet Knesset, and their God are one and the same. For Am Israel, it's very clearly not the same. We have the Bet Knesset, which belongs to the community, and then we have the Bet Hamikdash, which belongs to God. And we have also the Hekdesh, which is for God, or to the honor of God himself. The Goyim don't have this distinction for them, if you donate something to the church, you're donating it to, to, to the church with capital C, which is their God. So if a Goy donates to the Bet Knesset, we suspect maybe he intended to donate it to a Kdesh, and therefore we cannot use it. Just like we don't accept donations from the Goyim for the Bet HaMikdash, we also don't accept donations for building the walls of Yerushalayim or the aqueducts of the city. Because also in Nehemiah, the Pasuk says that Nehemiah did not let the Shomronim participate in, um, in building the Bet HaMikdash or, uh, or building the wall that Nehemiah re uh, rebuilt around Yerushalayim. Uh, Yehudi should not receive Tzedakah from the Goim publicly. And if he, if he cannot survive just by the donations of the Yehudim, and also he cannot find a way of receiving tzedakah from the Goim in a non-public way, it's permissible. Uh, I just want to interject with a joke. It's the first time I'm ever doing this, but there were two guys uh, waiting outside a church on a Sunday morning. One of them was wearing a big cross. One of them was wearing a big Magen David. And they both were trying to collect money from those who were going in and out of the church. And the Christians come out of the church and they look at the guy with the Magen David. They look at the guy with the cross and they purposely give twice as much to the guy with the cross just to, to spite the guy with the Magen David and to show him he's not going to receive anything if he stays there in the church, he should go to a bit Knesset if he wants something. And then at the end of the of the day, the guy with the cross has the, his bag filled with money and the guy with Magen David has almost nothing. So the priest comes out at the very end and tells the guy with the Magen David, listen, sir, I'm sorry you went through this, but you know, maybe you should try your luck better in, in a Jewish synagogue. So the guy with the Magen David looks at the guy with the cross and says, Moshe, he wants to teach us how to do business. Anyways. So 
הוא מלך חוסל מהגויים ששלח ממון לישראל לצדקה, אין מחזירין אותו לו, משום שלא מלכות, אלא נוטלין ממנו. So a יהודי should not receive צדקה from the goים בפרהסיה, just like in this joke, unless he has no other way. And uh, however, if the king or the minister, he's the one who initiates this, this uh, gift and he sends tzedakah, uh, the president of uh, country XYZ sends tzedakah to the people of his country and says this is for the poor people of the Jewish community, then the community has to accept it mishum shalom malchut in order to maintain good relations with that king. And then the community takes that money which the king sent and distributes it to the goi, to the goi poor people, to the poor people of the goi, not of the Yehudim, so that the Yehudim continue being supported by their own king. And they do this discreetly and secretly so the king doesn't find out that his money wasn't used because that's going to cause him to become, to get offended. Now, order of priority to redeem someone who was captured by pirates or whatnot, and they are uh, requiring a ransom. That takes priority over farnasat anim. Farnasat anim normally means uh, for food purposes, someone who needs to be fed or someone who needs to be clothed. There is nothing greater than ransoming a Jew from his captives because someone who is who is captive he's all of these things together he's hungry he's thirsty he's probably not clothed he's naked and in addition to that his life is in danger and whoever turns a blind eye from someone who needs to be ransomed Around this time, it's our one-year anniversary of this program, and I do not remember Harambam adding things without any reason or making a mistake of adding extra words, how much more so that the version that we are reading right now went several editions, even by Harambam during Harambam's own lifetime. But I just want to point out here, he said this before, at the beginning of the halacha, and he finishes again this He's really, really stressing this point and he's making this very evidently, very evident. And this repetition is not a mistake, it's just for emphasis. If the uh, inhabitants of a town they collected for building a Bet Knesset and then they, they, something else happened to, 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 be, to be needed, something of mitzvah, then they, um, they are allowed or they should use this money that was collected for the building. The building fund can be used 
for more urgent needs of mitzvah that just uh, arose. However, if they already started buying the components of the building, they started build, buying the bricks, they started buying the, the beams, then they shouldn't sell those, which is one additional step in order to then use that those those proceeds for the var mitzvah. Unless that mitzvah happens to be ransoming a Jew that's captive. Even if they started already placing these components in building form, they started constructing the building. If it's pidyon shavuim, they must sell everything and give priority to pidyon shavuim. However, if they already finished building the Bet Knesset, then at that point they should not sell the building in order to do Pidyon Shevuim, rather they should make a new, um, they should collect newly from, from the people specifically for Pidyon Shevuim. And I think that Alachot Tet, Yod, and Yod Aleph, uh, or Yod and Yod Aleph, rather, were setting up Yod Bet because this is the most important one. With what we said, that there is nothing greater than ransoming and redeeming a captive brother of ours that's, that's captured by the Goim. These things were horribly common back in the day uh, with pirates and whatnot um, still happens in places like Venezuela, uh, Colombia a little less today, Brazil a little less but still it happens in, in certain places of the world and uh, that's where the mitzvah will definitely apply but we may not ransom someone for more than the market value there used to be a market value back then people sort of knew how much you have to, to pay. But if the Goim start finding out that the Jewish community is going to pay exorbitant amounts for people who are held captive, guess what? You're increasing the incentive to go and, and kidnap more people. And we don't want that. And we are willing to sacrifice one single person in order to avoid a trend. <laughs> One more thing, we also don't run rescue raids. We don't go and rescue a single prisoner from, from their captivity in order to not increase or cause a trend of the Goim um, installing much more preventive measures and, and, and really guarding those prisoners as much as they can. If someone sold himself and his children to the Goim, or he, he took money on a loan and he didn't pay, and then they, they, they captured him, in our own day and age, this could be uh, an equivalent, could be someone that owes taxes and is sent to jail because of that. The first and second time that this happens, we still have the obligation to redeem him 
from even though it's a, a, a hole that he himself dug, it's a mitzvah. Shlishit, third time, enpotinoto. We 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 do not go and rescue him. But if he did so with his own children, they used to kidnap or capture or imprison not only the father, but also his entire family. So his family, once he is no longer alive, if he dies in captivity, we go and now we become obligated to rescue the, the remainder. If, however, his life is in danger, then we do do Pityon Shvuim even several times. A servant that became captured, Goim captured a servant of a Jewish household. Given that upon the commencement of his servitude with the Jewish family, he became sort of like a half a Jew. He started the process of conversion. That's what... Uh, all the mitzvot that refer to when we when we talk about nashim ba'avadim, right? Avadim has a status of a Jew, but a lesser status in terms of shmirat mitzvot. But in terms of the rights, yes, the community is obligated to rescue, to redeem such a servant as well. However, if the shavui in the shivya gave up on his Judaism, even by manifesting it through the public wanton, for no reason, annulment of one single mitzvah, like for example, the captives are offering him kosher food and non-kosher food, and he's, he's like, to heck with this, let me have the non-kosher food, I'm captive anyways, then he loses the status of a Jew in terms of having the right of being saved by the Jewish community, and there is no longer an obligation to save him. Actually, it's forbidden to save him. Some priorities. If we have a woman and a man, yes, it's two genders, they are different. If we have a woman and a man, and and both of them need to be redeemed from, from, uh, from captivity, then we give the woman priority. Um, also, if, if, they are, if they both need to, to be clothed, we give the woman priority. If they both need to be fed, we give the woman priority. For two reasons. Number one, men is normally more accustomed to go to go around and fend for him for himself. The woman is not. Therefore, the woman needs more our help. And secondly, the woman's dignity is is more. Um, is is more uh, hurt than the men's dignity in each of these cases. If, again, tragic, tragic examples of things that would happen back in the day. If the reason they were taken captives is for sexual slavery, they used to have sexual slaves, both men and women, so they, they 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 capture the woman a woman and a man, then we actually redeem rescue the man before rescuing the woman or re- ransom the man before ransoming the woman, because it's worse for a man to be made into a sexual slave than for a woman to be made into a sexual slave. Halachat <laughs> 
two orphans, one a girl and one a boy, that both need money to be married, then we give priority to the girl. Again, for, because the dignity of a girl that's unmarried is more seriously harmed than the dignity of a boy that's not married. And in order to help her get married, uh, the girl used to have to come into the marriage with a certain sum of money because she uh, thereafter was on the receiving end under the Ketubah laws that we studied. So in order to help her, help her get married, the minimum that she should receive is six dinarim and one six and a quarter dinarim of dinarim of kesef. And this is a, a very nominal amount. It's about 26 grams of pure silver. If, if however, there is more money in the in the account of tzedakah, then however much that can be afforded according to her status should be given to her. What if we have several poor persons with several different needs and we don't have in the pool of tzedakah to provide to all of them? So first of all, we give priority to the Kohen before the Levi. Whoever is a Levi takes, takes precedence over anyone who is Israel. Someone who is Israel over someone who is Halal. Halal is someone who is born from a Kohen and someone who could not have married the Kohen, like, for example, a convert. Halal before Shetuki. Shetuki is somebody who is fatherless. He has a mother, he doesn't have a father, doesn't know who the father is. The mother obviously had him out of wedlock. The Shtuki is before Asofia. Asofi is someone who is an orphan that was found in the streets. We don't know who his father or mother are. Mamzer Mamzer is someone who is, we know who the father was and who the mother was, and we actually know this was an illicit relation with uh, with someone who was Ayrva uh, to the father. Umamzer la Natin. And Mamzer is takes precedence over Natin. Natin is something that happened during the time of Yoshua uh, bin Nun. Yoshua made them um, made them uh, into Yehudim. They, they accepted them, but they had a lower status. They were second class citizens. Uh, because they tricked Yoshua into not killing them. The Natin, however, takes precedence over the Ger. Ger is a convert, a freshly converted Jew, because the Natin was born into this situation, the Ger was not. And the Ger takes precedence over a freed servant, because a freed servant at some point was within the, the people of Kena'an, of Kena'anim, which are within the Kelala of Noah, which we are about to read in Parashat Noah this week. Uh, Arur, uh, Noah, Noah cursed them, Arur Kena'an, Ived Avadim Yelehav.
when are we saying that this, this uh, order of priority takes place? This is everything else being equal when they all have the same stature in terms of intellectual achievements. However, if the Kohen Gadol did not know any Torah and the Mamzer, which is pretty low in this uh, hierarchy, knows Torah is a Tamid Hachamim, Talmid Hachamim, the Tamid Hachamim takes precedence. Note how Harambam and Sephardic Hachamim always called um, what we call today Tamid Hacham, they call him Tamid Hachamim, plural. Whoever is greater in wisdom, the expressions over his peer. And if one of two, with respect to the second one, was his father or his teacher, then so long as both of them are Talmidei Chachamim, if they both have the status of Talmidei Chachamim, then we don't look at who is greater than the other of Chokhmah, but because they belong to the same kind of Talmidei Chachamim, the Rav or the, the father will take precedence over their student or uh, their son. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.